So the theme of the week was dwell. And uh, we, we looked at what does it mean to dwell with God. And each day we would examine a portion from Psalms 46 and really kind of pull out of that this idea of dwelling with God. Um, Psalms 46 is a, a great passage. And day one, every day we would have a theme of that day that went along with dwell. Um, and so day one was refuge, looking at God as our refuge. We're going to read here Psalms 46, verses 1 through 3. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the hearts of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And one of the things we would do is we would have this theme, so day one of refuge. The speaker in the morning, we get up for about 10 minutes, kind of set the table for that day of this theme of refuge. And we would split off into our Bible study groups. And uh, they would look at and read through. They have this nice little pamphlet that, that Lifeway puts together for them um, and have their small group time of talking through this topic, doing activities to try to illustrate this topic. And then we would come back together during the evening service after we've had fun in our activities all day long, and he would break down this passage for about 30 to 45 minutes, walking through this idea of refuge. And this happened every day with every theme. You know, how would we define refuge today? As you think about this term, refuge, would you define refuge as a place or thing that offers comfort, protection, relief, a safe place? You know, David wrote a lot of these passages in Psalms when he was looking for refuge. He had King Saul breathing down his neck, looking for him, trying to kill him because he was fearful of David. And David had this continuing, has this theme of refuge throughout Psalms. He learned to look to God as his refuge. He said in another place in Psalms, Psalms 5.11, he says, But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them. For those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover them with favor as with a shield. So I ask, where do you go for refuge when things get tough? When you're struggling? When you're stressed? at work, or maybe you're financially struggling, or maybe you have a relationship that has gone bad, where do you turn? Who is your refuge? David knew the best place, really the only place we should look for refuge is in our Lord and Savior. God is our refuge. God is your place of refuge. He said there in Psalms, he is your shield. Think about that. Think about David illustrating God as our shield. You think about the idea of the fiery darts, as Paul talked about, of the devil, and God standing there as our shield, our safe place. That was day one. Day one, God is our refuge. Day two, God is with us. 
God is with us. Continuing in Psalms 46, 4 through 7. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You know, we, we, we like to talk about this around Christmas time when we think about that term Emmanuel because that word means, Emmanuel means God is with us, but we fail sometimes to talk about it the rest of the year. But God is ever present with us. He is always there. His spirit, if you are a believer, takes up residence inside of your heart. You know, is there a person in your life that when things get tough that you run to for comfort? Someone that you confide in? You know, this past week, you know, if, if, if I was thinking about that, you know, it was just like this ray of sunshine. You know, whenever you hang out with high school and middle school boys like all night long, um, seeing my wife the next morning was like my comfort <laughs> and like my, my, uh, my, re- my, just my, my comfort person to see in the morning. I just wanted to give her a hug and a kiss every morning, knowing that she is with me, that she is there as my, my comfort. You know, we like to think of that person being close to us to provide us the support that we need. You know, one of the, the, the um, scripture that, we, that was used throughout the week to illustrate this idea of God is with us is Mark chapter 2. And in Mark chapter 2, it says, this is a story about Jesus. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he, that he was at home. And many were also gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. So the story's starting out, and Jesus is there in Capernaum, and he's in this home, and he's preaching in this home, and the crowds are gathering around, and the crowds are getting so great that people can't hear him through the door. They're surrounding the, the room, and he's preaching what to them? He's preaching the word to them. Can you imagine to hear Jesus expound on God's word. Can you imagine hearing Jesus teach the Old Testament? How amazing that would be. No wonder the crowds came from far and wide. They never heard any teaching like what Jesus had taught. We see here that God is with us through his word. When we're struggling in life, where do we turn to for comfort? Where do we turn to for our refuge? To God's word. God's word reminds us that God is with us. Verse 3, And they came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men. And when, they, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. See, we were reminded that God is with us through our encounters with him. As we're in his word, as God makes himself 
abundantly clear to us. We see that God is with us through our encounters with him. Verse 6, containing the story. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus question within themselves, <laughs> Jesus is reading their minds, he knows what's going on in the hearts of men. He said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? <laughs> he's, he's messing with them here just a little bit. He tells the scribes and the Pharisees, what do you think it's easier for me to do? Tell them your sins are forgiven or tell them to take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man, man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He says to the paralytic, we'll stop right there. He said, I want you to know that I have authority over heaven and earth. And here's how I'm going to demonstrate that. We see that God is with us through the forgiving of our sins. And isn't that comforting to know that God loves you enough that no matter what you do, he forgives you. He forgives you over and over again. I don't know if you've ever been egregiously sinned against, but man, it can hurt you at your core. We sin and rebel against a holy God multiple times a day, and he forgives us every single time. He says in verse 11 to the paralytic, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed, glorifying God, saying, we've never seen anything like this before. <laughs> Jesus demonstrating to the scribes and the Pharisees, I have the authority to forgive sins. I am with you. It's comforting to know that God is with us. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Man, how powerful is that? We can confidently say that the writer of Hebrews says, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? When God is there. It's comforting to know that we have a God that is always there with us to pick us up when we fall down, to protect us, to provide for us, to direct us, to love us, to forgive us. Bethel, isn't that comforting to know that that is the God we serve? Isn't it, church? Man, that's so comforting. Let's dwell in his presence on that thought. Day three was faithful. Faithful. Psalms 46.8 says, Come, behold the works of the Lord. God is faithful. We know that he's faithful because we can see his works not only through recorded history, but in our lives over and over and over again. 
that he has been faithful to us. Let me share with you some of the events that happened this past week to demonstrate God's faithfulness to your students while we were away at camp. So on Tuesday night, um, they have a, a text group through Remind that they would send out to the, you know, their 30 plus church leaders there. And they said, at 9.45, can we have a church group leader meeting? I'm like, okay, this is kind of late, but we'll do it. And so we show up in the auditorium and uh, the camp director, um, his name is Alex, great guy. Um, I could, we could tell that he was visibly distraught um, and he said, well, I'm just going to shoot it straight with you guys, and this is kind of where we're at. We had one of our behind, there's about 30 staffers, huge staffers that are there at the camp to help make the camp run. And there's a handful of them that are kind of behind the scenes, staffers, finances, production, that really have no interaction with the kids. They just kind of make the camp run behind the scenes. And one of those was not feeling well and went, got tested and tested positive for, for COVID. And so they said, what we've done is we've tested the whole staff. Those that are unvaccinated, we're sending them home. Everyone else is tested negative. The vaccinated ones are going to stay and help us run camp. Um, they said, I'm going to be honest with you. I need all 30 staffers to run this camp. I can't run camp with just 14 staffers. And he, he goes, I'm going to be honest with you. We're going to try to do camp. Um, I don't want to send you all home. <laughs> I, at this point, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm bringing kids home on, on Wednesday morning. Camp's over with. You know, I don't know what's going to happen at this point. Um, it was you know, kind of a, a very gut-riching moment. And um, he went through and he said, if you decide you don't want to stay, I completely understand. No hard feelings. You can call Lifeway in the morning and see what you can do about getting some kind of, of refund. Um, and he was just, you know, you could tell he has just been through it. And after he gave his spill, one of the church leaders stepped up and, and said, you know, I, he said, I, I can only speak for my church, but we've gone through the COVID thing with our church leadership. And I'm sure many of the other church leadership out here has done the same thing. Just tell us how we can help. Tell us how we can run camp. I tell you, Watching these church leaders step up and say, Alex, don't worry, we've got this. We've got this. We, for the next few minutes, we sat around encouraging him, telling him, God put all of us here at this moment, at this week, at this camp, being a sovereign God, knowing that this would happen. The devil wants to stop the students from hearing the word of God, and he's going to do everything in his power to prevent them from hearing God's word. We're not going home. Tell us how we can help you. Then for the next 30 or so minutes, we all gathered around and laid hands on Alex and his assistant Katya, and the prayers that I heard from those church leaders and their heart was my favorite part of the whole summer. Hearing their willingness to serve and lead during a time of trouble. 
So we game planned. And Alex says, let me figure out what holes I can plug with my 14 staffers tonight. I don't think he slept all Tuesday night. He said, can we meet back together here at 6.15 the next morning? So we said, okay, we can do that. So we all went to bed, you know, midnight, one o'clock, turned around, got up at 6.15, got back together, and the rest of the church leaders stepped up, ran the games where it needed to be games run, ran crafts, painting. My wife and I were able to sit in some and help with some Bible study groups because they were low on Bible study leaders. Just, it was such an encouragement to me to be able to watch everyone step out of their comfort zone and say, God is sovereign. God put us here for a purpose and a reason this week. Let us help. The devil hated everything happening at camp and tried to run it, but God is faithful. God is faithful. One of the blessings to me, you know, typically we don't get to sit in the Bible study groups because they're, you know, groups of about 10 to 15 kids and they have one huge staffer running them. But because they're down half, more than half their staff, they had to combine those groups to 30, 40, 50 kids. And so they needed adults in there to help you know, with that. And we're sitting there the first day and they're walking through this, God is faithful. That was the day, the first day that I sat in there. And I heard this high school boy that volunteered to pray. And by the time he got done with his prayer, I was, I was a teary mess because he blessed my heart so much. I texted Rachel and I said, man, my heart is full. This is amazing. And to sit in and listen to boys and girls that love Jesus, that want to serve him, was just an amazing part of the week. God demonstrated his faithfulness this week at camp. Every day, let's look and reflect on God's faithfulness to you. When's the last time you prayed back to God all the ways that he has been faithful to you? Praising the faithfulness of God creates a thankful heart in the life of the believer because you recognize what God does for us. So many times we just live our lives as though it's just normal, forgetting that God has his hand here, there. God knew that things would happen well before they do, and you can look at it and see, man, God was moving the pieces around to protect us to provide for us. He is a faithful God. And the last day was rest. <laughs> I think that's kind of appropriate after you come off a of camp. He says in uh, Psalms 46.10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. How many times... Have you stopped and been still and dwelled in the thought of who God is and what he has done for us? You know, we don't do a good job of being still in our society today, do we? We actually do a terrible job at it. And part of the reason is because of this thing, right? The cell phone that we continually pull out of our pocket 
that's a continual distraction to us. We are such a restless society. Some of the stats that were shared with the kids this week, 35% of Americans do not get the recommended seven hours of sleep each night. Roughly 20% of Americans have a sleep disorder. 97% of high school students get less than the recommended amount of sleep. Why is that? It's because of this and things like Netflix and social media that has crept into our lives and preventing the sleep and the idea of being still. Being still and meditating on our God, exalting his name among the earth. How often do we take a break in the middle of the day and just rest in the Lord? I'm not talking about physical sleep. I'm talking about spiritual rest. The more we spend time with him, the more we get to know him, his will, his purpose for our lives, we spend time with him, things in our lives begin to change. God wants us to find our rest in him. When we find our rest in him, we are reminded of the fact that he controls everything. When we're reminded of the fact that God is in control of everything, and we're not, what does that allow us to do? Shed that anxiety. Shed that restlessness. And do what? Rest. Allow our hearts to rest in Him. I've got one more picture to illustrate rest for us. By the, by the end of the week, kids are pretty tired. <laughs> I think it, it, had I had my, my uh, phone, I could have probably captured about all of our kids at some moment <laughs> doing that because they were all pretty tired. Uh, there's no tired like camp tired. When you come home from church camp, man, you are exhausted because you're up till 12, 1 o'clock and up at 6 a.m. the next morning and a day full of activities. I'm talking from 7 a.m. till 12 o'clock, you're just blowing and going all day long and not stopping. It is a, a, such a fun week. So this is what your students learned this week. This is what was drilled into their heart. And I hope, you know, if you um, have a student, they were able to grab their, their Bible study pamphlet. They're allowed to take those home, read through that with them, meditate on those, those words. A lot of great things that, um, that they were able to have poured into their hearts this past week. I want to say thank you, uh, you know, to the church as a whole you guys had your, your bands on this past week. You're praying for us. And no doubt your prayers played a huge part in the way things went down on Tuesday and uh, with the, uh, how we were able to continue on with camp, even though the devil was trying his hardest to, to prevent it from happening. So thank you so much for your prayers and your support and, and trusting your kids to us for the week to go to camp. Let's pray.